Today on the Horror Pod Class, what they don't sell at Ikea, Atomic Hearts, why it sucks to be in middle school, and let the right one in. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 of the Horror Pod Class. My name is Tyler, and by day I'm a mild-mannered teacher. And by night, I'm a hard-nosed detective trying to figure out who put the latest hole in the wall. But thankfully, I also get to act as Editor-in-Chief of Signal Horizon, a media company uh, devoted to the educational side of horror and science fiction. I started the company with my buddy Mike over here. Hey Mike, what's the news, man? Holy moly, we're a media company now? I don't know. Like, I, I yeah. call, I call, it's something different every week, man. Okay, that's cool. Although, we did get a, uh, a letter from uh, the state of Missouri saying that we needed to post something about uh, the job uh, laws. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, wall. we absolutely oh. did. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, uh, what if we don't have any employees? <laughs> so I posted it uh, in the office in which I am recording this. So tell me, Tyler, what exactly are my overtime rates? Uh, zero, because <laughs> one and a half times of zero is zero. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, hey, dude, I'm still fighting a gorilla war against a uh, uh, against an iguana that keeps digging holes in my yard. Other than that, things are good down here. Um, super excited to talk about today's movie. Let the right one in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hey, man, be a good one. Yeah, yeah. But first, before before we get there, Tyler, what you reading? What you watching? What are you excited about? I got some good stuff to talk about. So, very good. Well, I'll dispense my stuff pretty quick. Um, I finally finished Lovecraft Country. Not because it wasn't awesome or amazing, because it absolutely was. I just have been super busy, so reading's a little slower than it normally is. But it's going to be. I think it's a Showtime uh, miniseries coming up, and it is going to be perfect for that. So. We'll have an article out kind of discussing the actors and some of the themes that we think they ought to go for, but I know you read it. Lovecraft Country is pretty awesome, isn't it? It is. It is. Matt Ruff kind of kind of kind of knocked one out of the park with it. Uh, it's got it's got a, got a whole lot of good stuff going for it. Uh, very very well crafted. Not as Lovecrafty as you would first think, right, with the no. title Lovecraft Country. No. Um, but definitely d- definitely squarely in, in horror, uh, it's got an, uh, an ensemble cast that I think is really, really strong and kind of this vignette style of, uh, of telling the story that, uh, that really works. So Yeah, and, and it is crafted perfectly for a show like HBO or Showtime. I mean, they're going to really be able to do it right so and and it hits so many different uh notes and tones and ideas uh regarding both horror and race and class and gender in the united states um so they're they're gonna have just a lot of uh of stuff to work with yeah oh yeah and i do think it is squarely in the horror genre but not maybe in the traditional sense you know I think it is, it's, I don't know, it, 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 its ability to transcend the genre, I think, is one of the, the real strong suits of the, of the novel. So, yep. So, yeah, check that to, out. To, to transcend and, and, to, and to comment on the genre, too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot of um, disc- there's a lot of meta discussion, which I think yeah. is freaking cool. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're uh, way into that stuff. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's more of that mm-hmm. that nerdy shit that may bore some people. We are totally down for. Uh, so I'm also reading Tales from the Lake, Volume Five. We are part of the Horror Writers Association. And we have um, the ability to kind of recommend some stuff that they'll be voting on. And that has come up multiple times. So I was like, I need to, to check this out. And I love what I, I see so far. So there's a, a ton of really good stuff. I think I'm only four stories into it. But it's it's great so far. Great. And um, what I'm watching. So Hulu's got a show that Blumhouse has created where they are releasing essentially. It's like a. Like a cross between a short and a full length movie every month. And their horror Christmas episode is called Puka. I think I'm saying that right. And I caught that. I thought it was good. I didn't absolutely fall in love with it, but I thought it was good and it was entertaining. And I'm, I, 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 this Christmas especially, I've kind of fallen in love with Yuletide horror movies. So. It's been it's been fun to add that one to my list of stuff that I'll probably watch every year. Awesome. Did you know there's a book out by I think by Blumhouse? Um, it's called it's an anthology of Christmas horror called Hark the Herald Angels Scream. I've seen that. I didn't realize Blumhouse produced it. So Blumhouse has a publishing label that they've done um oh, probably half a dozen to a dozen different novels on. I was talking to our buddy Nick, who's a fan of the podcast and been on an episode or two, and he was talking to me about them just the other day. Huh. Yeah, it's got an awesome cover. Awesome cover. Oh, it does. It's a little like Crypt Keeper-y meets... Uh, meets Coca-Cola. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. I was also thinking The Grinch, you know, like there's... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. Some other shit rolling into it. So. Yeah, cool. I haven't checked that one out, but uh, but it looks pretty good. Yeah. Very good, man. So what are you reading? Well, I just finished up with Zero Saints by Gabino Iglesias. It's from 2015, but he's one of the guys that every time I post something on the internet like, hey, I'm looking for horror authors that are really doing some some cool, innovative stuff who are kind of like maybe outsiders that are kind of pushing the genre, that are doing things that are just really, really strong. His name keeps coming up. So I read it. Freaking awesome. Absolutely cool. awesome. Cosmic horror, noir in Austin. Um, he's got a lot to say about uh, La Frontera or the um, you know the border between uh, Mexico and the United States. Um, there's it's re- super interesting because like uh, probably ninety percent, ninety five percent of the book is in is English, but there's a significant portion that is in Spanish. And huh. to see, and he he is. Um, a really, really good author. And to see somebody, I was expecting he would go with it kind of in the beginning, like to add a little bit of flavor in the beginning and then drop it, keeps it through the whole book, right? And really masterful use of being able to put that in. But then for, I, I speak some Spanish, my written, my reading comprehension is very poor though. But uh, I think that even if you didn't have any Spanish he does a really good job of giving you a lot of context and a lot of cognates that you can tell what's going on, even in the passages that are have some Spanish thrown into it. So 
That's interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it, just a fantastic, fantastic book. You got, you got to read it. So you you gave me some themes and some ideas. Give me the hook. What's the the quick you know plot? Uh, it is a uh, kind of typical hard uh, kind of typical noir hard guy gets involved in a drug in a drug war that is it has got some like occult overtones in it undertones to it Ooh. Uh, so so is it anything like um north of oh man what's the short story what, i love from uh, west of Morris, north of hell from Brian yes Hyde? that's it yes it it has got some it has got some of that feeling to it it has got some oh, but i would say i but zero saints i would say is like even more like raw and even more uh, uh man uh gabino iglesias has got has got a really really strong like voice and he leads with it from square one and cool. i mean once once that gets to you i mean I, I was just off to the off to the races and i finished it up in like a day and a half so Wow. And it's it's not it's not a long book either, but anyways. All right. Well, if you got mm-hmm. me. I'm sold. I'm gonna have to check him out. Yep. Oh, I also got um, I also got my copy of um, my e copy of Ashes and Entropy. Got it oh, like yesterday. Yeah. And I broke my rule. I normally read uh, in multi-author anthologies. I read them from first story to the last story. Broke my rule, went straight to the John Paget story. It's called The Yellow House. It's freaking awesome. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's John Paget. You yeah. know it's going to be. Then I read the Laird Barron story. Also awesome. So Oh, you're just going way out of order. What I know. An I know. I know. Sorry. You couldn't I couldn't help yeah. myself. Couldn't help myself. Um yeah. the only other thing I've got is have you seen the trailer for the video game Atomic Hearts? I saw, I think Kotaku or somebody had it up and I saw like a gif of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. No, it's freaking weird. Zombies, robots, blood tentacles, all in a like ascendant Soviet alternate reality, nuclear punk style. It's, it's wild. It's wild. It's like uh Bioshock only Soviet and... With more blood tentacles, I guess. Sweet. It's super weird. It's super, super All right. weird. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it is Zombies it is and blood tentacles. All right. And robots. I mean, man, all right. I'll check it out. And KGB uh, agents. That are neither zombies, robots, or blood tentacles dressed up as uh, KGB agents? No, no. I think I think because it's a uh, – the the plot, as I've, as I've heard, is, you know, the Soviets had these places. They were closed cities. They were science cities where they did like, you know, military research and stuff and development at, and they were completely closed. They weren't on maps or anything like that. And once you got assigned to one of them, you lived there for a long time. And if you wanted to leave, you had to, you know, get some papers and stuff. Most people just like kind of lived out their whole lives there. Anyways, um, one of them, a bunch of weird stuff happens at it and they send a KGB agent out there. And I think that you are the guy that's like supposed to go like get him back because he went out there and went nuts. It looks oh, super shit. cool. So it's like heart of darkness. <laughs> yes. Potemkin city meets <laughs> Jesus. What? A, yeah. All right. <laughs> that's some stuff. Yeah. All right. 
That's <laughs> like all of it rolled up together. And I mean, I think I think it works. Uh, at all least right, from cool. the trailer that I saw. The the video game might w- wind up sucking. You never know from a trailer. So, anyways. Yeah. What uh, do you know? What platforms it's going to be available? Uh, I don't know. Probably I would I would probably say all of them. I mean, it looks like it looks like they got a lot of polish on it. So. I mean, if you want to make a bunch of money in this thing, it's first-person shooter RPG. So if you want to make a bunch of money, you can't just put it on PC. You gotta gotta go out to the to the to the consoles. Meet, yeah, you gotta meet everybody where they're at. Um, yeah. What was the name of that again? It's called Atomic Hearts. Awesome. So we'll have to check out uh, Atomic Hearts. It looks like you can get it on Steam already. Really? Too cool. No way. Yeah. Oh, well, I will. I'll, I'll go on there and check it out. Maybe, maybe it's pre-order. I don't know something like that. No, I mean, there's there's some really cool kind of kind of video game stuff going on. There's the there's Atomic Hearts. There's that Cyberpunk 2077. That yeah. They they, they released. Tw- say, have you, have you been playing a, a shitload of uh, video games lately? You've been bringing it. <laughs> No, no, I just, I, I, I'm just watching, you know, the, the cyberpunk. I just, I love cyberpunk. So I've been waiting for this game to come out for forever. Uh, and they had a 45 minute gameplay demo. So I was just, just kind of, kind of interested in that. And then I guess from watching that, you know, the, the great YouTube in the sky looked and said, Hey, next video, you need to see some of this atomic hearts. Hey, that's cool. And in no man. And you know, the YouTube God, God looked into my soul and, uh, and what, what other videos I had watched and uh, came up with something good. So, well, here's, here's the deal. I think what maybe the, the younger generation understands better than we do, especially in games like atomic hearts or the other that you mentioned there, they tell stories, man. And if you're a fan of, of, of just a good story, then you don't really give a shit what format it's in, you know, like it could, could be a short story, it could be a film, it could be a short film, or it could be a video game, you know? And and this is where the new stories are being told, which I think is is really a cool concept. So I totally I, I totally agree. And I'd like to give, give a shout out to uh uh Jarahamatashin. He's got um a uh, he, he's a fantastic short fiction writer. Uh, we've got some re- a review of one of his books up right now on Signal Horizon. I also listened to his podcast, and in his podcast, he made uh, I think what is what is a really astute observation about uh, Lovecraft. In that, uh, most people that are like that are writers or that read like a whole lot of horror and that are like really invested in it, kind of like we are, um, and are a little bit older, all came to Lovecraft through reading Lovecraft, right? But the right. people today, they don't, they've never, uh, there's there's a whole wide swath, swath of people that have been exposed to Lovecraft, not through his writings, but through video games and tabletop RPGs. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I totally so, buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I think, I think a lot of like the, the, the cultural kind of relevance of Lovecraft is from... Uh, games and uh, both video games and, ta- and tabletop games rather than his his writing now. So, anyways. yeah. Yeah, meeting kids exactly where they live, which is kind of the, the, the heart behind Signal Horizon and the podcast and the whole kit and caboodle. Speaking yeah. of, um, JR, I think we're going to have him on the show in mid-January. So, we're well, going to be hey, that's talking. Awesome. Yeah, 
But yeah, uh, I don't know if we've decided yet on uh, a movie, but it's going to be great either way. So it's going to be pretty cool. Cool. Okay. Um, because we have yet, yeah, we don't have a bumper yet. So you know what time? Oh, uh, man. It's time for Dark Corners of the Web. Hey, uh, man, you, 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 picked, you picked this one out. It's a video game. It is. It yeah. Went, yeah. It is a video game in the same vein that uh, my parents had an Apple II, okay? And we had, like, three games for it. We had Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, okay? Phenomenal. It, right. Everybody had that game, though. It also came with a World Almanac, which was pretty cool. I learned all kinds of shit. Uh, but there were two text-only games that I just fell in love with. And uh, the game we're going to recommend to you was developed by Ginny uh, Poladna and Ryan Veter. And again, I'm sorry if I screwed your name up. Uh, but the name of the game is Kragna Manor. Is that how you would say it? That's how I would say it. Okay. And the long and the short of it is we kind of got a tip through one of our listeners. It is a house that you explore that has all kinds of different horror elements in it. But they had different writers develop each different room. So it's like every choice that you make to go into a new room is going to feel different because it was written by somebody totally different. And the whole point of the game is to kind of experience the house and not necessarily win it, which I think is, you know, a pretty interesting from from a storytelling perspective. Pretty interesting. Yeah, really, really cool. I was I, I was just checking it out just very briefly when you sent me the link like 10 minutes ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's got it is obviously all text, but it has got a lot of what I would say it's got a lot of polish on it. Right. It's like way better than those text games that I remember, because just from you would always get a syntax error. Right. Like yeah. like there was there was a there was a rat. Right, and it said something about a rat, and I was like, "Oh, kill the rat!" And I, and I, you know, said, "You try to kill the rat," and then this happens. I'm like, "Oh wow!" Like I didn't even think that that would be, you know, programmed in. But so yeah, a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, and and really well done. And somebody has obviously spent a ton of time on it. Yeah, so, and I think uh, I think I think it builds on a common mythos from another book, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I remember reading some of the like some of the story behind it that it was it's like the 20th anniversary of another game that I hadn't heard of called Anchorhead. Oh, huh. And I don't know shit about Anchorhead. So, it's another text adventure game though. So, Ooh, cool. Yeah. So, it's free to play, man. Go get lost in this house and then uh, hit us up on Facebook. We have uh the Horror Pod Class group is on Facebook. We would love to have you a part of that. Most important for us, though, if you like what we're doing here, we love talking to you all, and we love talking to one another and drinking beer. If you could run over to uh, Apple and, uh, you know, on, on iTunes, give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy of that, and then leave us a message about what you think of the podcast, or send us an email. Uh, we've gotten some letters lately, which is awesome, and we would love to get even more. So we would appreciate any kind of interaction that you guys as the audience will, will give us. We're always looking for feedback. That's true. And, uh, you know, it, it just helps out so much. It helps out people that are trying to um, get their voice out there and get their get their voices heard. I'm going to go on Goodreads. I read this book 
Zero Saints, I loved it. I got to go on Goodreads. I got to leave, leave a review. I would encourage you to do the same for books that you love. Yep, absolutely. And the last plug that we'll give you, if you love what we're doing, especially we're going to start bringing more writers, more movie directors uh, onto the show. What kind of keeps the lights on and the electricity going for us is our donations at our Patreon page. So if you'll go to Signal Horizon, click on our Patreon page, and even a dollar or two we'll get you a, uh, a sticker or you know something more than that, and you'll know that you're contributing to these conversations because we believe very passionately uh, that genre deserves a, a, ta- a place at uh, the educational table. And your dollar or two or five or ten or twenty-five or whatever helps make that a reality so uh if you, if you got the cash we would love to have your support yeah and uh, I, th- I think we need to go uh, spruce up that that patreon page a bit it's a little yes. looks it looks a little raggedy right now it it is a little raggedy <laughs> <laughs> that's well yeah. that's good that's good, thing, good thing you can't see me because <laughs> i look raggedy i just yeah. i'm just a raggedy dude that's that's why it's an audio podcast I uh, mm-hmm. have my, my hoodie and my pajama pants on. No, I have my three-piece suit. Whatever. Hey, I think it yeah. might be time for uh, the movie. What do you think? Yeah, today we're going to be talking about Let the Right One In, and uh, we're, t- we're going to be talking about the 2008 version from Sweden. And uh, so, Tyler, what is our essential question of today that we're going to try to answer or talk around or maybe even just totally forget like we usually do? Yeah. Yep. Uh, does the... Does let the right one in speak to any phases of adolescent development? Okay, yep. let's ring that bell, and there's going to be spoilers after the bell. Okay, first off, Michael, the 2008 version is subtitled. Were you able uh, to get a hold of the 2008 copy? What kind of subtitles did you have? And then what did you think of the movie? Yeah, no, I got, uh, I've, I've got it on DVD and, uh, yeah, it's got, it's got, you know, English subtitles you can turn on. So very good. Yeah. Love the movie. I, I, I think very, very you know, beautifully shot movie. Um, probably a little bit more subdued than you would probably see. I haven't seen the American version, but probably a, a little bit more subdued than you're normally used to seeing. Um, so I liked it. Yeah. So for those of you that haven't seen it, we rang the spoiler bell. So we're going to give you the Internet Movie Database version of this movie real quick. Set in the Stockholm suburb of Blackburg in 1982, Oscar, a bullied 12-year-old, dreams of revenge. He falls in love with Eli, a peculiar girl. She can't stand the sun or food, and to come into her room, she needs to be invited. Eli gives Oscar the strength to hit back, but when he realizes that Eli needs to drink other people's blood to live, he's faced with a choice. How much can love forgive? Yeah, I like that tagline. So I guess the first thing we need to talk about in this movie, it is it is a vampire movie, right? Yes. But I think it's kind of maybe a little bit more than that, and... I think it is a really good example of a lot of people go out there and they're like, you know what? I don't, I don't like zombies. I don't like anything that has to do with zombies. Zombies are so overdone. I don't want anything to do with zombies. Uh, there's still some good zombie stuff out there, right? Oh and, yeah. And even if you don't like zombies, like every once in a while, there's going to be something like I thought I was over zombies. And then every once in a while, there's something that comes up that just like, you're just like blows you away. Like somebody like comes in like um, that John Langan, 
play that I really liked, right? About yeah. zombies. Like yeah. he yeah. just like walks in the door and he's like, dude, zombies, and then like drops something like that, and you're like, I didn't want zombies, but that was like freaking awesome. And uh, I think this is that kind of vampire movie. Because if you said, hey, let's go watch a vampire movie, I'd be like, nah, fuck off. I don't want to watch another vampire movie. But this one just really works. So Yeah. Uh, first off, if I ran into anybody that disliked zombie movies, I would fight them on the spot. <laughs> uh, they, would, they would no longer be welcome at my home. Uh, but I, I get what you mean that some of these genres can be a little tired or a little hackneyed mm-hmm. from time to time. And this doesn't. And I think part of the reason why this doesn't is because it nibbles around the edges of our central question. Because it really is a coming of age story that that is fundamentally different than the coming of age story that we've heard in some other vampire movies. It seems like other vampire short stories or movies or whatever, really it's the coming of age of the, of the newly turned vampire, you know, like how does that vampire transition from human uh, to vampire and, and what that, what does that look like? But at its core, let the right one in is about, being 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 and going through some of that development Mm -hmm. and the vampires, uh, you know, Eli in this particular case is more a foil so that we can examine that adolescence because like, you know, Eli's a vampire and been around for fucking ever. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I don't want to talk about, um, tabletop RPGs twice in one episode because that would make me just look like a total nerd. <laughs> yeah. But full on nerd. Full on Turned nerd. it up. Here we but, go. But uh but some uh so White Wolf did they've done two. There was there was the first one and then there was a, a reboot um tabletop RPGs about vampires. And one of the things that kind of stuck out to me for about it was that they had uh, some original fiction that was written as novels, and then they had some original fiction that was kind of put in the source books, like kind of like flash fiction, probably like the the length of flash fiction, or maybe a short story here and there. Um, but the ones that were the most powerful were not the ones that were about the vampires themselves. It was about the hangers-on, right? Because oh, interesting. Be, and that and that's where the really powerful um, stories came from, and I thought, and, and that got me get, that got me to think thinking that, that you're that you're right. I think that's what makes this work is that it's more about um, the people that surround the vampire than the actual vampire, you know. So, yeah. So I think now would be a good time to kind of introduce the first concept that I think is really useful in examining that non-vampire character. So um, there are a number of resources that you can access that kind of talk about adolescent development, but the one that we chose to use comes from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And sounds legit, uh, right? Like that's exactly why I picked it. Mm-hmm. Seems kind of interesting. Uh, I, w- I was going to, I was going to pick one off of some anti-vaxxer website, but you you will not lead us astray. So never, <laughs> never. So what I found particularly useful is that they broke the development of adolescence into three phases. You have early adolescence, which is eleven to fourteen, middle from fifteen to seventeen, and then late eighteen to twenty one. And it, their definition kind of serves 
as a good backdrop to the, the, the main characters because they are just starting to like think for themselves and to think relatively mature thoughts and, and to build relationships that are functionally like, like real relationships, you know, like Mm -hmm. you, you have some familial relationships or like an absence thereof in, you know, these characters, but their ability to bond together, I think is really indicative of that early stage adolescent development, at least according to the, you know, AAP, the AARP. Those guys too. Yeah. Fuck those guys. They just want their ten percent discount on high V on Thursdays. That's all they give a shit about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So 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 they're they're in early adolescence, and yep. the five. What are the five leading characteristics of adolescence? Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. So they are biological growth, uh, development, undefined status. Increased decision making, increased pressures, and a search for self. Well, I mean that pretty much like kind of sums up this exact um, this this movie right here. Um, exactly. And, and, and the, the the state that that Oscar is in, which and, and then to be able to juxtapose that against against the state that Eli's in, where you know there there is no more growth, there is no nope. no more you know development. Um, the, yet, uh, you know, still there's the undefined status that, that she can, um, kind of, kind of fit in different places, different times. Right. Well, and, and in some ways she can't, right? Like one of the defining characteristics of early, early adolescence is that since that every, every relationship or, or your peer group is suddenly mixed up and you have to redefine who's in and who's out. And I think one of the most powerful images of that very thing happens when she tries to come in. Right. Oh yeah. She's not invited in. It's a little bit like this is super bizarre, but uh, I read this fascinating article about how Instagram is being used now to like exclude people from parties. If you're in high school, like you have to be invited to like the page, but if you're like an actual owner of the page, then you're like super in. But if the page follows you, then you're like really cool. But if you follow the page you're just kind of cool, but if you're blocked from the page, then you're like a fucking pariah, you know? And like, I, I love teaching high school, but sometimes they're the, they're the worst, you know, cause they're so mean to each other. And they use that sense of in and out as defining mm-hmm. markers and they wield it like a weapon, you know, like, no, I, I'm the gate gatekeeper for who belongs and you don't belong, you know, and that's incredibly powerful and incredibly hurtful and shit, man, in this case, in let the right one in, it makes Eli bleed from every orifice, you know, like that's yeah. not, that's, that's not great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, I, I think talk about, really really getting getting the point i think it's it's doing it's doing great stuff so. yeah well yeah and, and and i guess you know eli too is uh you know the is is defined 
as 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 all the things that uh, I guess she can't do, right? Can't be out in the sun. Can't go. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Huh? Yeah, and is and is and is always, you know, dependent on somebody else. It, you know, even even though she has all, she you know clearly has all this like kind of physical, you know, vampire power or whatever, is always going to be uh, reliant on somebody else. So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. The the idea that our other main character, right, is gaining some freedom, is gaining some autonomy, but we are like we're ultimately left with the idea that even though Eli is, you know, this thing that's been around forever and has some strength and, you know, some superpowers or whatever, like she still needs taken care of, you mm-hmm. know? And I think, I think that too gets back at the idea that even while adolescents are, are finding their independence and are doing more stuff, like, like they still need mom and dad to take care of them. And Eli, despite the fact that, she's like hundreds of years old or whatever still has to have a grown up to take care of her. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's where the real, um, you know, horror of this movie kind of like really kind of tops out is right Oof. there at the, at the end when you realize that you, you're, you're left with the, you're left with the idea that maybe, you know, Oscar's going to become another. What's that? What's the sad dude from the beginning? Uh, Hawken. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, uh, there have been a couple of articles that I think are really interesting. Sin Files Review has the big discussion, I think, about how the ending is not remotely happy. Mm-hmm. You think it is because, like, the bullies get get what's coming to him and you know like there's this like it's almost like a deus ex machina like moment you know but like all we're seeing is oscar being groomed to be you know the new hawken who's gonna fucking disfigure himself and like throw himself out of a building in 40 years because he can't live with himself anymore you know yeah and 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 he's no longer useful to to you know eli yeah, uh, it it is it is not I would say a happy movie, and I think that is an interesting discussion about the role of parents. You know, like we as moms and dads give like theoretically the best years of our lives to you know like raise these things that will eventually grow out of needing us. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. essentially. The, the the context is we you know we're not that useful anymore right and that's essentially we're raising these things hopefully so they'll reach a point where they don't need us to go like find them bodies that they can suck anymore or whatever <laughs> yeah it, you know no, I, I i totally hear you there yeah if, he, if he's gonna give up um his is his life essentially you know to for for eli you know, Eli never, never gets through those that adolescence period, right? Right. She's always going to be needed, and then just going to discard him later. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, in my in my fanfic version, you know, they 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 track down the first vampire, and and kill the first vampire, and then and then Eli, you know, 
is no longer it, a vampire. In your fanfic version, is the first vampire's name Lestat? How did, did you? They, how did you know? You've been re- did they? They track him down in New Orleans. Is that? Is that it? Yeah, man. How did you know? How did you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, so. I. Oh, yeah. And Sookie Stackhouse plays a role in all of this too. I. Uh, I know you. You said you hate vampires, but really, you love. Them. I love them. I absolutely love them. I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell so many copies of this book. You're. You're. You're going to buy one, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, no shit. No, you're going to give me a free review copy. I ain't buying that shit. <laughs> Fuck that. All right. So. so yeah, I think the other thing that's really interesting, philosophy now has a really great discussion of the different types of adolescent love that you see manifest in adolescence and how they exist in the movie. And it really does, I think, a phenomenal job of overlaying one over the other. All right. So let's take a moment and discuss and see if we, we see these different forms of love between um, Eli and Oscar. Okay. First off is agape, which is like the basic kind of altruistic love where you do something for somebody for no other reason than like it, it's good for the other person. It's the right thing to do. It, it you know, it is benevolent. It is, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. So do we? Do you think oh, yeah, we see yeah. that oh, between them? De- definitely, yeah. We see that in some scenes, kind of in the, I guess the middle third of the, yeah, yeah. Like, I would even maybe make the argument. We see that altruism in Eli's, you know, father figure. You know mm-hmm. that that there there is some altruism that that is played around with there, but they have, you know. They do the right thing for one another. I think that's pretty easy. The second type is called ludus, and that's like playful affection. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the the part where they're kind of getting to know each other. They're playing. Um, they've got a couple games. That they they like puzzles. Like the they use the the code and the Rubik's cube and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Rubik's cube. That's a, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm. Uh, and we see that some in adolescence when they're uh, like, I think it manifests itself like in the casual teasing or the, you see it a lot. I think in adolescent males that like will bond with one another by like taking the piss out of one another, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're a really shitty Fortnite player and you know, but they'll be best friends, you know, yeah, that's yeah. just, that that's just how they create that bond and and whatever mm. and it's always playful and the minute that it doesn't become playful then it usually gets like <laughs> angry and they you know yeah way yeah no i mean i mean i think i think that the uh that their that their relationship is that um you know that that like best friend in early adolescence that you had right the guy the one that was your absolute like best friend and i think i think a lot of people can can um, can think about that time and that kind of like I mean that like almost uh, like tunnel vision that you had with this other person, right? And you're maybe your first like real best friend. So yeah, yeah. And, I, think, and I, mean, I think I think I think it plays it really well. It, and not to get like super deep into it, but 
it is not fundamentally different than like the first time that you fall in love, you know, like it's the same, I think biochemical response that like you want to spend a lot of time together. You kind of feel like you're firing on the same wavelength, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it is the first time that you kind of sort of as an adult realize that there might be other kind of sort of adults out there like you that, uh, that you can that that get you you know and that's that's i think interesting and in the con in the context of eli and oscar i think they both have like parental figures that are that are not wonderful you know that are not that are <laughs> absent or you know yes, yes. and so the, they they have this affection for this shared lifestyle you know this shared bullshit that they have to go through so yeah yeah I th- um, yeah the they, next they're kind of, they're kind of like you know like latchkey kids probably you know yes exactly yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah i mean w- one of the things i wrote down when i watched this um again uh uh earlier this week was um that that yeah like all the all the parent or all the adults are kind of like weird and kind of distant and they're kind of like doing their own thing like there's that scene where uh, Oscar's like lifting weights and like <laughs> yeah. dudes like like reading a book or something. I mean, and uh, and I thought I thought you know that's kind of weird, but it's also kind of like real life. So yeah, I it's important you know as part of the hero's journey that you know I guess you get those kind of figures out of the way. But as an adolescent, either by design or you know by the byproduct of being kind of unbearable to be around sometimes <laughs> like mm-hmm. there aren't adults that that are around you know so it's a lot about forging your own way and hopefully in most adolescents it's not quite like it is for eli or oscar here but i think there's a lot of realism in that yeah, yeah. for sure okay so the third type of relationship in adolescence is called storge or storge uh, i'm probably butchering that it's a latin phrase mm-hmm and it means loyal attachment. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's probably where they get, where you, where, I guess, you know, it would be the difference between, uh, you know, at the beginning when um, you're, it's just kind of altruistic, right? And, you know, in some ways selfless, but you don't really have to give anything up for the other person. I you know that that storge is really like oh you know if if they need something and it puts me in a bind and I have to make a big decision and I have to you know give something up I will do that for them. Yep. So Yeah, and, and at least the thing that came to my mind was I don't know, it's like the first time that somebody like it's like signing uh, an allied treaty, you know? You're like, all right, so if somebody fucks with this guy, then I'm going to have this guy's back, you know? Mm-hmm. It's this, okay, now it's not just me, it, it is us. And I think that's a pretty powerful uh, concept, you know? Yeah. So, and, and I think, do we see that a lot in this movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say I'd say that, Probably starting right in the, um, probably at the beginning of the second third, um, you start seeing that. Yeah. I mean, you got the 
you know, the the people that are picking on Oscar out in the playground, mm-hmm. they get their comeuppance, right? And they get more than their comeuppance. Yeah, <laughs> they get uh, yeah, butchered essentially. Yeah. and and let me tell you, that's the 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 real horror of this movie. I think works on two levels. One, there is some gory as shit stuff that you just don't see coming, and then it comes, and you're like, whoa, all right. This is definitely a scary movie. And then uh, there is the brutality of how he's bullied that is just yes. awful. Mm-hmm. You know, like, ah, damn. That's, and, and even as a work of fiction, it's hard to watch. So, all right. So we have loyal attachment. And the last type of adolescent relationship to develop is mania or sexual attraction. Do you think we see any of that in this film? Definitely, and I, I think I think it's handled pretty, pretty well. I mean, there's there there is, uh, a, a, you know, a couple of scenes where they kiss and whatnot. Um, but I mean, obviously, it doesn't go much much you know further than that. But there's definitely there's definitely some sign, kind of like, um, proto um, sexual attraction between them. So, yeah. So I think this is probably the appropriate time. This is based off of a novel. And I don't think they really talk about it in the movie. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But did they address what's going on with Eli's gender in the in the movie? So the 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 best the best way to kind of explain this point is to look at the three different works. So you have three different works where you, you've got the uh, American uh, film remake, which it's not talked about at all. Then you have the um, the original film that uh, that we've both been that we've kind of been been covering that is uh, has got two kind of points that you need to need to kind of look at there is there is a there is a point where there's you can see some scarring on 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 Eli's kind of kind of stomach area and then also and I'm I'm not 100% sure about um about this uh because I just kind of read it um but that in I guess Swedish like a lot of um uh you know European languages there's um there's like there's like neutral pronouns and that there are times when like neutral pronouns are used i'm not sure if they're used in the um in the movie but i'm pretty sure they're used in the book so and then and then and then in the book you get the you get the backstory and the backstory right. is that um eli was born a boy and as part of the uh process to make um make him into a vampire he was castrated yeah, and it was kind of it was it was really violent and awful and and it, it is they spend a little more time I think in the book than they do in the movie where it's it's just kind of this cursory thing. Mm-hmm. But the idea that they render him genderless I think is is important. I'm not exactly sure what it says to be perfectly honest, you know? Like I think it 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 speaks to a lot of different things. But it definitely complicates the idea that there is a, a burgeoning romantic or sexual relationship there, you know? 
Yeah, I think I think it does, and I but I think it would be complicated anyway because vampire, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like I I I feel like if things were to be more traditional when it comes to that that there would be maybe more questions asked there would maybe be like the bottom line is the the lack of genitalia in that context like complicates the the sexual nature of their relationship but it also i think speaks to some trauma and that trauma gets in the way i think of of that relationship too and I think in in that way, it's true to life. You know, trauma oftentimes gets in the way of, of um, people being intimate. And, mm-hmm. and so sh- she is the real life, you know, embodiment of something like that happening. So we would be remiss if we didn't at least uh, discuss that because there's been a lot of really great and interesting scholarly work done about the fact that she is functionally uh, transgendered. You know, yeah, yeah, and and, and almost anti-gender, and, and I think they make a concerted effort to make her gender fluid in the 2008 version of the movie, at least. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you I think the uh, a good place to go would probably be um, Faculty of Horror did a did a really good podcast where they talk about some of these some of these issues. There's also um, there's a, a bunch of work out there on the on the internet, particularly the the author of the novel kind of weighs in um, and uh, from the author's perspective, uh, what she was going for is more of a um, uh, androgynous yeah like like kind of idea um, in the in the you like transgender was not exactly like I, I think where she was going but you know then again i mean once you've once you've done a work and it's out there i mean it's for it's for the rest of us to interpret so yeah i think i think I, that there, I think that there is i think that there is a, a lot to be made about it and then also i i think i think that there's something about the uh how do i want to say this like the idea that um it was not eli's choice Right. Right. And, and, and now Eli gets to make a choice, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what um, he or she, what what choice that, that they're going to make is, is really kind of kind of up to them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the author, John uh, Javide Linkvist, <laughs> he uh, clearly a, a Swedish writer. I, I think has a couple of interviews where he has spoken very specifically about why he wrote that character as for lack of a better term, gender neutral, you mm-hmm. know, as, and I think it allows him a, a better conversation to be had about that kind of coming of age and that adolescence. Cause I will tell you, even the scenes of, of intimacy, right? The, 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 they kiss a couple of times and, you know, I think they're laying in bed together. It never feels tawdry and there's never a gaze to it. And it makes it feel so sweet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think the fact that maybe that there is a character that doesn't have a definable gender, like if that character is like hyper masculine or hyper feminine, I don't think it feels as sweet. 
yeah, I could, I could, I could kind of, I could kind of get that. And also, um, I think it, 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 it also kind of heightens that idea that um, that Eli is in this arrested stage of adolescence, for before sure. before puberty, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, and that's got to be that's just a terrible time, man. And just to be yeah. to be to be stuck um, to be to be stuck in that in that that time, you know, before um, uh, you know. In, in early adolescence, just ah, uh, that'd be that'd be yeah. terrible. On top of the fact that uh, you know this great violence has been done, um, and a vampire, right? You can't even go out in the sun anymore. It's bad, yeah. all, bad all the way around. But you yeah, get to be, dude, you get to beat up bullies though. So you know, but I guess like, but but you're absolutely right. Is there anything worse than being stuck in middle school forever? Fuck oh, that. Yeah, maybe being stuck as a middle school teacher. Yeah, that's that's true. Sorry, sorry, uh, Katie Littleton, who's one of our writers, who's also a middle school teacher. Sucks to be you. Yeah, you couldn't pay me. Yeah. So uh, the other piece of material, and we've kind of talked about it before, but I think it's really important and interesting, um, comes from Vanderbilt. They actually were the ones that have a, a really long symposium and paper about the idea that in adolescence, it's a lot more about being an insider or an outsider mm-hmm. and that belonging is this very necessary step and that uh, let the right one in really is a discussion about belonging to something, to someone, to uh, an old or a new identity. So. Mm. Make sure that you check it out because it's it's it, it is quite good. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think we've talked. I think a long time ago we talked, and I can't remember what context it was in. Um, but I, I was I read some really powerful stuff about what gets people into um, cults and kind of just like bad like situations and bad things like that. And it was um, this need to be on the inside of something. Right to be part of something something bigger, and if you're not finding that anywhere, which you know Oscar clearly is not, um, you're gonna you know you're you're open to possibly getting into a, a relationship um, like with Eli, which is right. like like as we said, you know it has all of these. Um, there are these sweet moments. There are these moments where they're getting to know each other. They are they obviously do have affection for each other. But that ending, man, where yeah. does it leave Oscar in twenty years? You yeah, know, not not in a great place. No, uh, that's for sure. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if the Book of Eli, uh, instead of uh, spoiler alert, instead of being <laughs> blind, he was really uh, a vampire? That would <laughs> and be he awesome. Like, fucking wreaked havoc on everybody. I would totally watch that movie. That, Denzel would... Washington as a vampire. All right. Yeah, kind of like Blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is yeah. true. Yeah. Although. Uh, uh, yeah, probably not samurai swords. Maybe he's got a samurai sword. And uh, mm, that'd be that'd be know. cool too. Yeah, I, di- I digress. Book oh Eli. Jesus Christ! He was blind the whole time. Oh, right, he's a blind vampire. <laughs> that's the that's the story we should have seen. Oh shit! You want to know who else wa- uh, wishes he would have seen a different movie? Ooh, are there blind vampires in the background? Oh yes, uh, yes, we've got this asshole, anonymous Amazon customer again. All right. Yep. Let's right. see. Let's see what what we've got. Tyler, you picked this one out. I have not. I have not read it yet. You okay. you sent it to me. Um, I haven't read it, so we're just gonna 
Roll with it. This is what anonymous Amazon customer has written in his spiral notebook and passed to the front of the class. Wow, I'm stunned by the positive reviews. This movie was slow, dull, and the only thing somewhat unique is the child vampire, which really isn't that unique at all because there's a child no. vampire in, in that shit. It's a played out trope, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he, she, it wants a Oof. companion. Uh, yeah. But ridiculous because obviously it can kill on its own. Maybe there's some deep psych meeting with the grotesque daddy-child connection with the first old guy. The movie was mostly disturbing because of all the pretty young boys. The director (laughs) slash... Whoa, this one's getting weird. (laughs) This is on Amazon. Uh, Whomever seems so fond of partially clad really do not like the pedophile overtones of the film. Wow. Maybe the violent and blatant sexualization of children is considered sophisticated in some d- bizarre Swedish way. I find it repugnant. Rough. Wow. I, lo- I love how his read of this entire film is that it's like pedophilia apologia. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, that's so, fucked. So here is a um, here's something I'm just going to throw out there. And I've run, run across this like multiple times. I had already heard about the um, I had already heard about the 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 subtext with um, Eli being born a boy, right? I'd already I yeah. read that before I watched the the movie. But a lot of people, when they watch the movie for the first time, they don't pick up on it. And I think, uh, and especially in the American one, because it's not even in there, right? Yeah. And but even even on this one too, it's it's not it's not as clear as I guess it is in the novel, right? So clearly, this is somebody that has, you know, you know, read more about this. They didn't, anonymous Amazon user didn't just sit down and just watch this movie and then just spit this out, right? Yeah. There's clearly a greater social context, mm. and uh, so, anyways. Yeah. Well, the the fact that he mentions pedophilia, like in in like passing context, you find out that the the old caretaker of Eli was like a pedophile that got like kicked out of his old town, you know? So the the fact that he has glommed onto this thing and it has been his center focus to the rest of the movie, I, I don't know. Like, I will tell you the one thing that I feel like is not in this film at all, and that's why I said earlier, I just am not picking up on any kind of, of gaze. It doesn't feel like it sexualizes the kids in this film at all. And I think it very easily could have, because I think sometimes we think adolescence is just about sexual awakening when it's really about like a gazillion other things and that thing, you know? So I I think it handles all of that really, really well. makes me think old boy here has got some weird shit on the brain. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe got some weird shit on the brain. That's uh, that's a, that's a, that's a possibility. The way he throws around Swedish like it's a pejorative, <laughs> you know, like in some bizarre Swedish way. <laughs> yes, like, Damn, exactly. dude, did you just call me Swedish? <laughs> and I ain't even the chef. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't do a Swedish chef. Otherwise, I would try. And I really like their fish. Swedish fish. Mm, beautiful. They're the best. Yeah. I'll sexualize the shit out of a Swedish fish. <laughs> That's that's freaking that's freaking disturbing. Yeah. So this anonymous Amazon user, what other what other, what other things has he left reviews for? A lot of fedoras. Uh, yes, uh, fedoras, and then 
Uh, I've I've never heard of it before, but a plastic sexual goat. I, I don't <laughs> wow. know. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go figure. You can buy anything on Amazon. Go uh. figure. Go figure. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I think that there really are a lot of these like anonym, anonymous Amazon reviews that are just people that have like this very specific. Uh, political message that they are just want to go out there and like insert different places. Yep. Oh I, yeah. Do you, th- do you think maybe this guy came from a Russian troll farm? I don't know. I, I, don't know. I would not be surprised. Like, and here's one of the tells the he, she, it thing. Like, do you know how many right wing folks that I've crossed paths with that when you discuss like transgendered issues, like fucking lead with that, you know, yeah. and it's like I can't be bothered to learn the proper pronoun that this person wants us to use, so I'm just gonna use this fucking slur or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, where, can... where where it's not even a deal in the movie, right? Right, right. You know, exactly. because because you can ease because the the one the one line is I am not a girl, right? When Eli yep. says that, but that is easily taken by I think a majority of the audience that that watched this movie um, as, yeah, you're not a girl, you're a vampire, you know, right? Um, and I think it works it works different ways, right? And uh, so, anyways, yeah, we can yeah, we can, we, we can see what he was what he was looking at and thinking, and yeah, so anyways, yeah, as usual, fuck that. Anonymous Amazon user. Oh, He's man. a jerk. He's a Makes jerk. teaching class hard. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, though. I bet you. I bet you, anonymous Amazon user. I. You know. The guy that directed this movie probably just cried himself to sleep after he read your review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah, he probably doesn't speak English. So. <laughs> yeah, he cried himself to sleep in his in his. You know, beautiful Swedish chalet up in the mountains right. with all the money right. he made. <laughs> exactly, in in his IKEA up on a mountain, he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's uh, yeah. I I think I think that you would expect, um, f- you know, the blatant sexualization of children is not. A, not something that's Swedish, not something that is really in this movie, <laughs> and really something that you see pr- a whole lot more in American cinema and television, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. Shit, yeah. The Swedes aren't, like, creating sexy cat costumes for their eight-year-olds, you know? Like, at least last time I checked, they weren't. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? That's one thing I've never seen at Ikea, so... <laughs> exactly yeah exactly all right man all right so hey man what are we doing what are we doing next next week okay so next week i can't wait to read the anonymous amazon user for next week we are going to talk about the movie mother and the rise of anti uh, anti-hero and anti-audience movies huh i you know i actually kind of like the movie did you like it yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah, I think I think that a lot of people left the mo- the movie theater thinking exactly that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say no. I don't think I liked it, but uh, I'm gonna rewatch it before next week. So maybe it'll be one of those things that the second time around, because first time around it was pretty much a hard no. But you know, you, this is what I thought of the entire time of the 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 last half of the movie. Uh, 
<laughs> I thought of Fat Bastard from Austin Powers okay. singing, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> I want my baby back. <laughs> that's all I can fucking, that's all I can handle. That's all I can do. So. And on that note, <laughs> class dismissed. Yeah.